What is up, people? Quality people. We are back, and I come bearing gifts. What's my up? beautiful cousin, Gabrielle Bennett in the house. What's up, y'all? How are you? Let's get to some of your comments. Christopher Bennett, What's aka up, Gabrielle's father. <laughs> Very proud of you, Gabrielle. Keep up the amazing work. Quality people. Hey, just like Kenya always says, I need you to break for the algorithm. Because we are on a mission <laughs> to spread some practical religion. Let's get to some more of your comments. It has been a while, people. Aunt Cindy is also in the house. Hello from the DMV with a cheery, it. youthful smile. We love you, Aunt Cindy. Yeah, so it's crazy. So you came down here. Uh, my mom went up to see Aunt Cindy. Yeah. And so we're just like family members or with family members. Oh, look what we have here. We have Aunt Kelly in the wow. building. What are you doing here? Welcome. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> hey, Love we got you. we got an amazing, amazing show for you today. Uh, do you know who this person is? Because I do not. That's, I have no idea. That's rogue. So I, I, I did know. put it on my close friend. So maybe someone's uh, like, I don't know. Who's we got a close friend? friend in the house. We got a close friend in the house. You got a close friend in the house. Who's hey, B. Joshua Scott? and family. B. Scott. I don't know. Yeah, one of our cousins has a uh, is Mayday. So hopefully Mayday pops in. But yeah, we got an amazing show for you. We'll get to some more of your comments here. Uh, that's cousin Sinitra. Oh, wow. Uh, Sinitra in the building. I love it. I love that. We love your patio, by the way. It's beautiful. I just saw it. It looks amazing. Cool, cool. Yeah, so S Rogue is Cousin Sinitra. And uh, we also got Mayday in the building, which is our Aunt Cindy's eldest son. (laughs) Mayday. Aunt Cindy's eldest son. Michael? Yes. Why you say... Oh, Michael. MR. 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 We keep his name anonymous. I like that. Okay. All right. All right. So, we got an amazing show for you today. Welcome to Profitable Conversations. As you see, we're going to have a great conversation. We're keeping it in the family today. Um, Let's pop up our little tracker. If you don't know, Gabrielle is getting her PhD. So, we're going to be covering that. We're going to be covering her thoughts on how her purpose is evolving how she finds identity, and then I'm going to throw some of my prop tips at her, and we're going to see you know, what she thinks about those. We're going to have a great discussion, so you are not going to want to miss it. But first, before we get into that, Gabrielle, just like tell them who you are, what you're about, just a little elevator pitch before we get into our topics. I love that. So my name is Gabrielle. I'm originally from Jersey, Jersey in the house period. Um, And a little bit about like my educational trajectory. So I started off at Edgewood slash Winslow. We have some Edgewood folks in the house back when it was called Edgewood. Now it's Winslow. And then I went to UMass Amherst where I ran track and field. Then I hopped over to California, Cal State Fullerton Mm -hmm. out in Orange County where I did my master's. And now I'm here in Chicago doing my PhD. So just to be clear, it, here is not Chicago, but she is currently I'm in, in Chicago. Chicago. She's yes. in Georgia. I'm in Georgia right She's now a, with the fam, but yeah. I live in Chicago. Right. That's awesome. That's awesome. We like it. And I, that leads perfectly into our first topic, PhD, right? So you're yes. getting your PhD and 
I have a, just a God simple question. Why get your PhD? That is a great question. So honestly, I got it. And it's funny because I feel like most professors say this, but because I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I just figured I'd just keep going to school until I figured it <laughs> out. And it worked okay. quite well. But I really would say like one of the main reasons is because I was attracted to this program. So like okay. I work right now with primarily with juvenile justice facilities and I get to work with kids and do sports in the facilities with them. And so I wanted to find a program where I was able to connect with kids and connect with mm. youth who are Working? Yeah, yeah, you're good. Okay, connecting with youth who are at risk. Um, and so I could either do that through getting an EDD or a PhD, mm-hmm. but I wanted to become a professor. So most professors go on the PhD route. PhD. Okay, so for the people that don't know out there, explain the difference between PhD and you said EHD, right? EDD. EDD, I'm sorry, yeah. Yes, so a PhD is um, a philosophy, a doctorate, where you basically become an expert in a specific subject. So it could be like, for me, it's kinesiology, specifically sports psychology is what I teach. But then an EDD is an educational doctorate. So it's like more broad. You can go into the fields of like education and you could teach like mostly like FAM classes or like put it that way that's kind of rude to the people out there with edds but you kind of teach like the specialized classes instead of like the kinesiology courses okay. or like so there's just more you could do with a doctorate as uh, as opposed to the edd so sort of i don't want to limit it to that because i okay, feel like they you, might get you. mad at us okay, okay. <laughs> so let me clear this up so phd puts you on the route and track to become a professor okay. educational doctorate you can do administration work as well as like teach but the primary purpose of getting an edd is to do more educational work got it okay got it okay like admin got it okay so you mentioned sports psychology yeah so as like the more focused part of the kinesiology why did you decide to go that route versus, you know, a different route in kinesiology? That's a good question. So I would say because I was a former Division One athlete. So in college, I ran hurdles, did high jump and long jump. And I didn't know I was like utilizing sports psych tactics and strategies as I was doing it. But mm-hmm. like I would learn things like positive self-talk or how to train my psyche or my mind to do what my body's telling it to do. But I didn't, I didn't realize I was using those things until I talked to my advisor in my doc program. And she's like, okay, you have two options. You can either do sports psychology route like me. And she kind of broke down some of those philosophies, some of those things that would be incorporated in that, or I could do the physical education route. And I would end up like teaching PE teachers how to become teachers. Oh, that's like, cool. <laughs> that was like, I don't want to do that. That doesn't sound too fun. Right, right. So talk about your, you know, let's go back in time a little bit, yeah. which is not too far back in time, but your college athlete or athletic days when you were running track. So talk about some of those tactics that you're learning more in depth now as part of your PhD program that you were actually employing back then. And then also expand on... If you knew now what you or if you knew then what you know now, how that could have changed, you know, how you competed. I think like one of the most important theories that I 
I didn't know then, but now I know and wish I knew, mm -hmm. is catastrophe theory. So this is good for anybody in the workplace, in sport, in anything. It's basically a theory that talks about like how to reset when shit hits the fan. Like when everything goes <laughs> bad, <laughs> how do you how do you keep pushing forward when right. there's a roadblock? Um, it talks about having like high um, adrenaline as well as like an aim to do like to perform well mm -hmm. and how those things don't correlate, right? So you have to have like the perfect balance in between. But with that, sometimes you're going to get nervous. Sometimes you're going to like stumble. But how do you bounce back from that? Right. And one of the ways that you do it is you reset. So I would say like if I could go back in time and wish I knew something, it right. would be that because it would have helped me so much more to be able to just like have more grace with myself in those moments where I do fall or I do stumble, literally fell a lot in hurdles and mm -hmm. practice yeah. and like got down on myself mentally, but it would have taught me how to just like take a step back and reset from those things. Mm. Yeah, that's beautiful. Let's talk about maybe the process of resetting. So now you, you've learned catastrophe theory. So how would you, if you're, you know, talking to an athlete or, you know, one of the kids that you work with, how do you take them through the process or show them how to implement the process of resetting? What does that look like? I think it's different for each person. But the first thing I would say is like, we talk a lot about positive youth development and like how to give autonomy back to kids or athletes, especially when you think about sport. It's so individualistic. So I would say the first thing to ask them is like, how are you feeling in this moment? Like, mm. what is it that you're hoping to get out of either sport or learning, et cetera. And I would ask them, like, what are some things that calm them down? So sometimes we talk about, like, somatic breathing techniques. Sometimes we talk about, like, you need to be a little bit more hyper. You need to get your arousal up. So there are some, like, regulating up techniques as, as well as regulating down techniques. Right, because like, some people are too, you know, calm and some people are too hype. Yes. And so they need to kind of meet in the middle. Okay, yeah, Yes, that's cool. like think about a track race. If you've ever seen like athletes in the beginning of track like smack their legs and like right. jump up and down, those are individuals who need to get like aroused more. So they need to get up more. They're trying to, right? they got to psych themselves up. So that might okay, be them gotcha. resetting is like, I need to get more amped up because maybe let's say, let's use grades for instance. Maybe my grades weren't good enough. So I need to get myself like excited for the school year. So maybe there's some strategies or things that I can do to get hyped up for that. Right. Or regulating down techniques might be like somatic breathing or some people listen to music before a sports performance, gotcha. um, things like that to try to calm them down. Yeah, I was always a I got to calm myself down type uh -huh. person because I'm naturally just a let's do this. I'm just all over the place. Um, actually, in fact, it, before my state championship game, um, it was just, I mean, it's unlike anything you ever experienced because it's the last game. You're going to have a lot of scouts there. Your whole town's traveling to mm -hmm. go to whatever, wherever the venue is, and you're just like, this This is one of the biggest games of my life, especially as a high schooler. And yeah. I remember before the game, we had just, you know, done, you know, the pregame warm-up. And I saw my mom, and I went over to her just to, you know, say, hey. And she she looked at me, and she's like, you need to calm down, basically. <laughs> <laughs> she, was like, she was like, I can see it in your eyes. Like, <laughs> yeah. She was basically like... It's like, calm down. Yep. Like, you're going to be good. And mm -hmm. I, we ended up winning the state championship. I ended up having a really good series and helping my, and contributing to helping my team win. I love and that. so, but yeah, that, that reminds me of, 
you know, the things that you're talking about is like there are times you have to really understand yourself, have that emotional intelligence. And then once you understand the type of person that you are, then you're able to apply, you know, different tactics that best suit who you are to get yourself in the optimal you know, position to succeed. Yes. And and with that, I do want to say too, like some people turn to outside sources as well to reset. Like think about one of the things that I talk about in my class is like vicarious experience. So like I'll use my parents, for example, like the fact that my parents completed four years of college athletics Mm. on a division one level. I was like, Ooh, if they finished it, I can finish it it too. So like sometimes your reset may be like looking at different people. I know you talked a lot about earlier, the podcast that you like, someone that inspires you, right? right? Like, so looking at him may give you that vicarious experience. Okay. If he can succeed at doing a podcast and have X amount of followers, like I can do the same thing. Right. And there's also one more I want to mention that might help okay, too. It's like verbal persuasion, but the relationship has to be strong in order for this to work. It's like someone that you love and trust or highly respect in that area, if they're persuading you to pursue something, whether it's academic excellence mm-hmm. or a bigger job in your career, et cetera, that will also be able to help you to reset. So that's like you have a role model or like which i mean that can include your parents it can yep. include a close friend or mm-hmm. it can even nowadays since we have the internet it can include the people that you watch yep and so let's talk about influences how important are the influences and role models that you look up to and relate that kind of back to you know that theory that you were just mentioning or the tactic that you were just mentioning yeah catastrophe theory so it's extremely important to have like role models um, in your life to look up to. And that can be like in sport, that can be in your personal life, that can be in your professional life. But you want to have like either someone in your life that is able to persuade you or you want to have someone that you're looking up to to kind of get that um, to pull from. Because if not, it's hard to see like what you want to be if you can't see it. Right. You know? No, yeah, I, I totally get that. So it's like, I want to be the greatest basketball player of all time, but you don't have a LeBron James or LeBron James didn't have a Michael Jordan to look at. Yeah. And so then it's kind of hard to keep pushing the boundary because there's not a standard yes. that has been set for you to, you know, try to reach and then ultimately break. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, no, that's, that's, that is a, that's very interesting. Yeah. And so it's sometimes like, Shit hitting the fan could be you didn't have those things in place in your sport, like, or some of those relationships fell apart during your career, your trajectory, or you had to switch coaches. That's a lot of time why you see like athletes might want to quit their teams or they may want to transfer because their relationship with their coach fell apart. And so it's like maybe that they were getting verbal persuasion or vicarious experience from that person, et cetera. So it's important to to take those things into consideration when you're thinking about resetting. Now that's good. That's good. Let's talk about the relationship between the player and the team. So the player and their coach, their player and their teammates as well. So how much of it is the player needs to adapt to the team and how much of it is the player needs to be a good fit for the team? Ooh, that's hard. Yeah. Okay, say <laughs> yeah, that, that is, one more time. So, so yeah, so when we, when we think about teams, right? Okay. So, you might have a really good player, right? Mm-hmm. And then you might have a team. And this team may not necessarily fit the playing style of this player. But they really want this player because he's an excellent player, right? Yeah. So 
is that a, actually a good situation where the player can come in and adapt to that situation? Or is it more advantageous for the player to get on a team that may be less talented or, mm-hmm. you know, finish less in rank, but is a better fit for them to where they can get on the team and possibly, I guess, elevate that team? So which, would, which situation is better? I would say a better fit would work better because I, – I teach this too in my class, like Tuckman's model, no matter like team dynamics and team cohesion are so important. Mm. It doesn't matter if it's like your colleagues or sports, et cetera. Like you can have whenever one new person comes onto a team or they're coming into a workplace, the dynamics shift. So you could have someone with like a stronger personality come in and they're taking over and everybody's thrown off. The team dynamics shift. Um, and that's why I say it would be important for that person to like be on a team where it makes sense for them and it fits Mm, for them as opposed to like shifting the team dynamics for that person, because that's when you have like the conflicts and relationships. And I would say like another thing that we talked about is like, it's 80% relationships, like 20% encouragement when it comes to team dynamics, Mm. because like relationships outweigh performance every time like you can't perform well if you don't have positive nurturing relationships especially if you're doing um and highly interactive sport if you're doing more of an individual sport it won't matter as much but if you have like basketball team etc those teams need to have really strong cohesion yeah and chemistry yeah Mm -hmm. no that's good uh Kenny and I watch a YouTuber who always says, like, your network is your net worth. So the people that you associate with and the people that you connect with will be the reflection of, you know, your your net worth, basically how well you can do economically. And the more people that you connect with, the more you can rise economically in a sense. And so it's similar in... Sports. So I had actually had a business professor in college who she was my management teacher. And she was like, yeah, when when you go to apply for jobs or go into a job interview, you should be interviewing them just like they're interviewing you Mm -hmm. because finding the right job that you're actually going to, you know, enjoy and be able to thrive in is all about fit. And so that's kind of where that question stemmed from was I, I was Wondering if you would say it would be better fit or if you just go to the better team in a sense. And I mean, you kind of went the direction I thought you would, Mm -hmm. where it's like, it's always the better fit because if you get into a place where you can fit, well, then the your clarity of vision will be better. It's kind of like a puzzle, right? If you get the puzzle pieces to fit, right, you can actually see the picture. But if you're, you know, trying to fit this puzzle piece in and it doesn't fit with the picture, well, then that player isn't going to be able to thrive or you're not going to be able to thrive at your job. And so that that was something that really struck me during that class was she was like, it's it's all about fit. Mm -hmm. It's like, because I believe she worked at Nordstrom for like 20 some years and she was like, I loved it. I traveled all over the, you know, world to do my job. But at the end of the day, it was, it was all about you know, is this the right fit for me and my circumstances? And then when it wasn't, that's when she moved on from the company. And now she, I'm not sure if she had another job aside from teaching, but she was probably my favorite professor. I uh, love that. During that time, we had a really good relationship because um, she really enjoyed athletes too. Nice. And so, yeah, it's, it's all about fit. Even with like the teacher, like uh, when you're 
you know, signing up for classes, you want to try to get with a professor or with a mentor, with somebody who's going to, you know, fit your learning, you know, style or just somebody that you kind of jive with so that you're in a more relaxing environment so that you can, you know, better learn in a sense. So, yeah, I like that. You you talked about Tuckman's model. Did I say that right? Mm -hmm. All right. So you, you said it. Yes. I don't know what that is. So break it down for the people. What is Tuckman's model? Tuckman's model is a dynamic process that can start over. It's basically where every team comes together and they have like the norming, the forming, the storming, and the performing phases. So the norming is when the whole team is like coming together. And you're, it's kind of like, I like to call it like a piss competition. That's what I say to my students, like piss <laughs> competition. Like, Who's going to be the outstanding performer? Who's going to be more talkative? Who's going to be boisterous? Who's going to be like that silent assassin? So everyone's kind of sizing people up. Then you have the forming. This is where like roles start to become more clear. You start to see like athletes really stick out or colleagues stick out in certain areas and, and role clarity becomes clear. Then you have the storming. This is where like conflict happens. This is where... Um, You're trying to build those relationships and you're building them between coaches as well as players and trying to figure out the team cohesion and dynamics during that point. And there's a lot of storming. I think about like Coach Carter is a good example of this, like all the storming that happened in that movie. I show it in my class and it's just like you can really start to see like the breakdown in the team through this model. But also the last phase is the performing phase where everything starts to finally gel together. Like you have your players, you have your understanding, you've already went through the storming phase. Now the team is performing well. And But it's a dynamic process. So this means like at any point in the game, it could start all over. And that's what we were talking about earlier, why good fit is so important because right. if one person comes in, they can throw that whole cycle off and then it starts from the beginning. Uh, that was that was beautifully explained there. Thank you. That was, that was great. I, I felt like... One of your students. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that was that was really cool. So yeah, Coach Carter, great movie. Yes. That's one of pro- that's up there mm-hmm. as far as like my favorite movies. Um, really good. So if you haven't seen that, you you need to see it. Go tune in. And then now you have a something that you can be referencing throughout. You're gonna be referencing Tuckman's model and how things you know come together to you know form a dynamic team. Yeah. Uh, really quick. Yeah. Talk about how roles within a team how important are they very important so you want to make sure that like because a lot of times we talk about like star athletes and we forget that there are other athletes on the team so I think like role clarity becomes important whether you're a star athlete or a star colleague or star whatever you're doing in your role you want your other colleagues and players to still feel like they have a role. So, like, you never want that star person to seem like the star person to everyone else because it's just going to make the whole or dynamic. Like they're the entire team. Or they're the entire right. team okay. because yeah. then that creates resentment, that creates conflict in relationships right. between the coaches as well as the players, between the colleagues and the bosses. So you want to make sure that even if you have a water boy as a colleague, that they feel like they're the best water boy ever, right? Or they're the <laughs> right. best. Like you want to still give. And one of the ways that you can do that is by creating like meaningful moments throughout that relationship. Like you want to look for opportunities to, I call it like 
soft compliment them. You and if it feels forced, the rule is I always say like it probably is forced. Like you want to make sure like if I came in today and I'm like, "Josh, your hair is so amazing like and you haven't gotten a haircut in 3 weeks, you're going to be looking at <laughs> it's me like, like I'm looking woolly or something." Yeah, yeah you're going to be crazy. like you're capping, right? But right. if you say if I say something like we come into practice and I'm like, "Man, I saw you like lift your teammates head up. I really like the way you show leadership." Right. Okay. That's like mm -hmm a way to build a positive relationship with someone or say they're the water boy. Like I really appreciate you going to get such and such water. He really needed it. Like you want to do things that are actually genuine to help bring together the cohesion of a team and bring together role clarity for each person. So they, they understand that they're seen in those moments and they don't feel like they're overlooked. Now that's, that's, that's really good because every team that I've been on and I, fortunately I've been on a lot of teams that have won um, championships mm -hmm. and the difference between those teams and the teams that you know weren't as good or didn't win the championship was the teams that won were the ones where everybody on the team from the greatest to the least understood their role yeah and I've been on championship teams where I was like the guy mm -hmm. and I've been on teams where I wasn't, you know, playing every day yeah. uh, especially the the time we went to the World Series in college I wasn't playing every day I was basically a bench player, yep. but I, I still understood my role. And I was like, I mean, I got to be here. There's no sense in, you know, being sorry for myself or taking pity for myself because I wasn't performing at a good enough level to be on the field. It's like, no, let me support the guys that are because these are my brothers. Yes. Right? I love that attitude because a lot of players don't have that. Like mm -hmm. a lot of people yeah. don't have that. And the flip side of that is it's not all the athlete's responsibility either to do that, show up with that. It's also the coach's responsibility to reinforce, to, yeah. I saw you show up today. You didn't mm -hmm. have to show up with that attitude. You didn't have to show up to support your teammates mm -hmm. in that way. But you did. And I saw you encourage this person or I saw you reach out afterwards or I heard about that text that you sent to him after the game. Like it's the coach's job to do those things right. and bring together that for the teammates. And that's something my coach actually he did. He was like, yeah, I know you're not playing because the year before I had played a lot my mm -hmm. freshman year and then my sophomore year I didn't play as much. And So he did mention like, hey, like you're doing a great job in the role that you have on this team. Like I want you to know it's not basically being overlooked like you're doing a great job. Um, and so I was just like, well, that, well, thanks. At least it, it's not going unnoticed. Yes. But yeah, it does take a lot of maturity to get to the point to where you're like, man, cause everybody wants to be playing at the end of the day. Right. Mm -hmm. You don't, you don't join a team or participate on a team to not actually participate in the sport. Yep. You want to be an active participant in whatever the game is or whatever the, the team is doing. And so Knowing that, talk about like from, we talked about kind of like more of the coach's responsibility. Talk about the responsibility that you have to take on as a player if you are in a lesser role. Like what do you have to do? So, and this could be, um, we can broaden this to, you know, your job. Like you just get hired, right? And you're at the bottom of the totem pole. That's hard to for some people to accept, especially if you've been playing sports all your life and yep. you've always been, the guy or you've always been the girl and you've always been team captain and now you're just like bottom, on the sidelines you're yeah. bottom tier at this company yeah and of course like you're gonna be competitive and you're gonna try to work your way up yeah. but that could be a hard thing to accept at first so talk about the responsibility that you have to take on yeah as a person if you are in that lesser role that's a great question so i would say like i like to differentiate 
like task cohesion from social cohesion. So like task cohesion is being on a team and having a clear defined role and being able to execute that role. Like say you just start a new corporate job and you're not sure what to do. You're just in training week one. Like you're not going to excel at task cohesion. You can just take that right off the table because you're not going to know what you're doing. But like if you can focus on the social cohesion, if you can focus on building positive relationships, if you can focus on like being the donut girl in the morning or like (laughs) coming in, asking people like, hey, I'm going to get a coffee. Do you want one? Oh, Mm -hmm. how's your day going? Can you show me a little bit about what you do? If you can excel in those things, like I always say that goes 10 times further than the task cohesion because people always remember more than anything, like how you treated them. They're not necessarily looking at like some bosses are, they're micromanagers, but most of the time they're not looking at this person do every single thing on their to-do list today, right? At their job, they're looking at, well... Did they have a positive attitude when they showed up? Were they timely? Um, And then if you start doing extra things like just checking in with people and conversing with people when you don't have to during your lunch break instead of going to your car, sitting in with the group and or at least sitting in the main area where people can see you when you're visible, then it still looks like you're showing up to offer that social cohesion, even if you can't offer that task cohesion. No, that's very good. That's very good. And one thing that my high school coach used to say was like, you can't control, you know, everything that happens Mm -hmm. in your sport or in life. This broadens out. But there's two things that you can always control in the game of baseball. This also extends to life as well, is you can always control your attitude and you can always control your effort. So you can always control, you know, your outlook on things, like how your attitude is towards a certain situation, even if things aren't going your way, even if you face adversity. And then you can always control your effort. You can choose how you respond to that adversity. Do you just, you know, lay down and feel sorry for yourself? Or do you say, hey, yeah, I, I messed up. Yeah. And But next time, I'm, I'm going to get the next one. That's, yes. that's a big thing in baseball. It's like, all right, on to the next one. Get the next one. Mm-hmm. Like, it's okay if you just made an error. It's okay if you just struck out. Yeah. Right? That's why it's a team sport. You got a brother behind you that can pick you up for now. Yeah. But then when your opportunity comes back around, you need to be in the mental space. Yeah. Right? Um, and have a more positive outlook so that you can get uh, – you, so you have a better chance of having a positive result. Because yeah. if you're still feeling sorry for yourself when your time comes back around Oof. on that next A-B, then your Don't chances – Yeah, your chances of you know success are going to go down. Yep. And so – I would agree. And I think – I was, I'm thinking about like our pickleball game because Josh beat us in pickleball the other day and yeah, I'm two living. out of three baby I cannot believe don't mess with us I literally can't believe it but we won the first one Jake and I we crushed it yeah it was a warm up game I don't want to hear it so <laughs> granted I'm so mad right but like that goes back to what you were saying about ha- having a positive attitude because in those moments when I was losing that pickleball game I was livid okay like I was not happy I had a bad <laughs> attitude but one thing I tried to pivot and just started like I call it positive self-talk. We talk about this a lot in class, but I think it stems back to like just so much that we need to talk about in our community in terms of like self-esteem, confidence, and Mm -hmm. how we speak to ourselves. That really matters, especially in sport and in your professional life as well. But like during pickleball, I was like, man, I messed up. And I had to immediately switch myself to thinking like, all right, Gab, let's get back on the next one. You got this. You know, like positive self-talk is so hard to do in the moment. But once you can just like pivot your mindset to I'm going to crush the next one. I've got this next set or I'm going to bounce back. I'm going to focus on my serve this time. Like Mm, switching that in the moment can help you to have a better outlook. Uh, Exactly. Exactly. Because 
to your point too. So our first game we lost and we just we weren't playing well like at all. And it took us it, so for those who don't know, Gabrielle, myself, my brother Jacob, and then my girlfriend Kenya, who is also part of the quality life, all went and played pickleball yesterday. So it was <sighs> Team Pro Mac, which is what Kenya and I called ourselves, versus those guys. I'm just playing. It was <laughs> it, Jake it was and versus, I. Versus Jacob and Gabrielle. And so the first <laughs> game, they were winning and they were all hype. We and then, hype. And then so this is this is this is how this happened. So it, they get down to match point, right? So they get they get down to match point. I got a good big screen for this. <laughs> they get down to match point, and then they're like, "Oh, y'all want to put some stakes on this game?" We sure it's did. Like, it's like y'all are winning ten to <laughs> like six or something. Like all y'all got to get is one point. And you want to put stakes on this game? I was like, "No, let's do the next game." And so they were like, "Okay, okay." So they they win that game. Okay, warm up, warm up. Next game. <laughs> We got you. They did. And then Josh started hitting these it, spike balls like he was crazy. He was like, Whoosh. and I'm like, how am I supposed to catch yeah. this so fast? Y'all turn, yeah, y'all turned out the monster. It y'all was brought crazy. out the monster. You want to put stakes on the game? I'm gonna have to show up and show out. You know we what did. I mean? But then after we win the next game, which the stakes were on, what did y'all do? Oh, best two out of three. We had to run it back one more time. There was no way I wanted to go out like that. But that last game was the worst one. Yeah, they I were like best two out of three, that. and then y'all. Y'all score one point that next game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we man. did. We literally scored one point. It was horrible. horrible. Yeah, but uh, we we did have a lot of fun. Um, good family time. Yes. Good bonding time as well. Mm-hmm. And we got some, you know, practical lessons that we that we could take from it. Yes, yes, we did. So, guys, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, you see the ticker at the bottom or the whatever you want to call it, the title thing at the bottom. We're going to be getting into purpose, purpose. and how it is evolving for Gabrielle. We will be right back. It's, it's in the book. Yep. But uh, the fruits of the spirits like love gentleness, kindness, self-control, um, just those different things, uh, peace. And so when you see those things out in the world, then you can you see God materialized in the world. Yes. And so when you stop looking for him, say like in a crystal, it's like, yep. oh, you think God is confined to like this yeah, rock or something. Yeah, that's exactly it's what like it was. It's like you're putting a boundary on something exactly. that should be, you know, seen in the world that's always ever expansive and so and and you you can't grow if you're constantly trying to find him here here and here oh my god rather than finding him through the world with the new things that get discovered but also measuring against the old truths that are foundational to the new things that have been discovered yes and so finding the thread in that that's where that's where you see god We are back. What's up? We're back. We're going to get some more profitable conversation. But real quick, shout out to Mama Profits in the building. What's up, Aunt Sonia? She is in the building. Hey, Mayday's got something to say. He said, you can say my name. It won't dox me. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I like what it. What up, Michael? So, what's up, Michael? <laughs> How you doing? 
How you doing? And that reminds me, it is a family reunion. I love it's it. It's like What's a up, family Kenya? reunion in the chat. LOL. I love it. Hey, people, I need y'all to... Because we are on a mission to spread some practical religion. And so I like what Aunt Kelly said. She was like, so appreciate the practical examples. And that's what we try to do here yes. on The Quality Life is give you you know, quality, practical examples that help you to better yourself as a person, that help you transform more into the image of Christ, ultimately. And so, let's see, Kenya said, hey, join our private Facebook group. It is the first link in the description, so if you don't know, we do have a private Facebook group, so if you ask to be invited, we'll let you in, and we're going to be starting to do some really cool things in there coming up. It's been inactive for a little bit, but since our audience is growing, and thank you guys for the new subscribers, we're at 526 on the road to let's 1K, um, then we're going to be very active in that Facebook group and have some, you know, cool little things for you guys to participate in. Um, just along with, you know, on the road to 1K, before we get into our next topic, when we get to a thousand subscribers, we're going to be doing some crazy things. Um, and if we don't get there before about August, then we will have some crazy things coming down the pipeline. We're going to have some new shows. We're going to be seeing some new faces on the quality life as well. And it's going to be really cool. But once we get to the 1K mark, uh, YouTube actually opens some new features that will allow us to do some just really, really, really cool things. And so, um, yeah, just make sure you're sharing this with your friends and family, telling them to like and subscribe. Like for the algorithm. All right. I love that thing that it does. Like for the algorithm. Oh, yeah. That's fine. Yeah, got, you got to. You got to let them know. You got to let them know. All right. Also, if oh, also if y'all have any questions or comments, then, you know, just leave them in the chat. I'll, I'm pulling them from... Um, the chat and we will pop them up if you have any questions for me, if you have any questions for Gab or just any insightful comments as well. All right, let's get into our next topic. It is purpose. So here is my question. God is with you. That is not the question. Hold on. That's, that's, <laughs> the, that's the next question. So you okay. know, keep that in mind. So this is the, this is the actual question. How is your purpose evolving? This is a good one. My purpose, well, let me just start by saying, like, I didn't even know my purpose would be where it is now, like working with college students. Mm -hmm. I thought my purpose was like, when I was doing my master's in California, like I swore I was going into student affairs. I was going to help students, whether it was like in the financial aid office or like working with students and student conduct. Cause I used to oversee the student conduct process. Like I used to have to tell fraternity and sorority students like, Oh, you're on probation or you have to yeah, get suspended for a little bit. Like, <laughs> yeah. it, that was not fun. Yeah. I did not like that. Cause I am very, anybody who knows me knows like I am, very lenient and I don't do well with like discipline and like rules and all this stuff. It was just too much, but yeah, you're, you're more of an agreeable person. I'm very yeah. agreeable. I'm yeah. a Pisces. I'm a water sign. Like we don't want no smoke. We just want to chew. We just want the vibes. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I started off doing that and I thought that's where my purpose was going until I got in the program and I was like, okay, like I don't really think I want to do this. I think it's time to pivot at that time too. I was like doing personal training and starting to train different people and I really loved it. But then I realized, like, okay, I need to connect my love with kids for, like, and sport together. 
Like I need to find a way to mesh those two. And then I found my PhD program. So I was able to do that. And so I feel like now I'm just starting to like scratch the surface of being excited in the space that I'm in. So I feel like I'm closer to my purpose, mm. but I don't know that it's like clearly defined for me yet. I feel like it's still a mystery. Like when I'm, for example, when I'm teaching in my classroom space, like I still get like good nerves, like sweaty palms, like, uh, yeah, like nervous yeah. pee, like all those, <laughs> I teach those things in my class too. So like behavioral things that make right. me stimulated to do whatever I'm about to do. That's how I know I'm passionate about it and excited about it. Yeah. Or like when I do my guest lectures or when I do like speeches, when I have to go to conferences, et cetera, like I know I'm in the right arena, but I don't necessarily think I'm like in the right aisle or seat yet. Or you're not exactly to your final destination. Not to my yeah. final destination. So like, I'm still waiting on God to kind of like show me where it's going. But I don't, I don't know yet. No, I like that. No, that is that is fair. And you you did give a very good summary and timeline of you know how your purpose has evolved. You thought it was here, but then you realize, oh no, it's not quite that. But mm -hmm. you still take what you were, what you loved about the space that you were currently in. Yep. And then as as you move forward, then it was like, okay, let me take what I was passionate about here and apply it to this new area in my life. And then you found your PhD program. So what was it about your PhD program specifically? You, you mentioned that it meshed, you know, sports and your love for, you know, training people. Yes. Um, so what exactly was it, what about it, you know, really set your soul on fire when you, when you kind of read you know, what was involved with it and what you were going to be doing on the day-to-day? -day. That's a great question. So I would say, like, I actually wrote about this not long ago because I was doing an application for a scholarship, and they asked me that question. And I talked about, like, being able to, like, my dad was in education, so mm -hmm. he did, like, education throughout his whole career. So I got to see him, like, have such a amazing impact on his students, on other principals, on his colleagues, the teachers, et cetera. And then there was the other side of me who like growing up had had close family members who were incarcerated. And I remember asking them like, what were some of the things that helped you get through that sentence? And they said like right. sport. And I was like, oh, I'm good at sport. Like, I feel like I can help people who <laughs> yeah. are incarcerated. I want to go into jail and I want to help people like work out or I want to train mm -hmm. them or I want to teach them something through sports. So I feel like my love for education because of my dad and then also having family members who are incarcerated and wanting to give to that demographic because of, because of that insight that I had, I wanted to kind of mesh those two together. And that's the only program in the country that I saw that did that. I offered yeah. that specifically. That's, that's beautiful actually. So Let's talk about your, you know, passion for helping, you know, people that are kind of gotten themselves into trouble. Because you mentioned you're helping juveniles now. And in your prior role, you're telling people they were on detention. Yes. And so it kind of seems like you're always right there with, you know, the people that, you know, are find themselves in troubling situations. But you're kind of there to say, hey... I'll be your support. I'll be your guide. Um, so wh where do you think that stems from? I think maybe being a middle child. No, I'm just kidding. It could be. <laughs> it could be, it right? Could be, like, yeah. also, I also feel like um, just wanting to be like, I've always been interested in social justice, but I didn't know how I would be an advocate or like how I would be able to use my voice to help other people. But 
I feel like I've always wanted to be like, like just help get people out of stuff. Like, I don't know why. When I was younger, my dad gave this example of like, I used to, when he was a principal, I would go down to all the classrooms and like just take the kids out of class and be like, we're going into the office to hang out and eat lunch together. Like, I would just always want to remove people from situations (laughs) that they were in for good or for bad. Um, But I think like, I think now looking at what I'm doing, it just, it fits my personality so well. I'm very like understanding I give a lot of second chances. Like, mm-hmm. I love kids, and I think that everybody deserves a second chance. Like, especially somebody, like, I'm talking about the demographics I work with. They're ages 12 through 20, and they've made, like, you know, what most people would consider, like, a bad decision or a bad choice that's landed them there. But right. then when I meet them and I'm playing sports with them, I'm like, we're just vibing. You're like, just we're person, just, yeah. you're a person. Yeah. You made one bad mistake. And I also feel like, too, how many mistakes have we all made where it's like, thankfully we had somebody to get us out of them. Let's just start there. Number one, or like somebody could talk to us and and talk us off the deep end, or we had a mentor there. We had financial help or we had like psychological support systems. Some of the interviews that I do with the kids, like they may not have the psychological necessities that they need in order to not be in those situations to begin with. So I think like, just my personality, I, I've had a lot of compassion and empathy for those situations because it's also been up close and in my family as well. No, that is that is awesome. And I think sometimes we, we see certain people act out in a certain way and we're like, oh, that person's just, you know, they're trash or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of forget that you have the capacity to be in the same situation yep. if you didn't have the tools that you had, if you weren't loved the way that you were loved. And so sometimes it in order to transform somebody for the better, which is our ultimate goal as believers is to, one, transform more into the image of Christ, but also the way that you do that is by, you know, the fellowship and the communion with, you know, other Christians or just other people in general, because it wasn't like Jesus was going out solely to the people who believed. He was going out to people who were in troubling situations and... He wasn't necessarily affirming their sin. He recognized their sin, but he was always treating them for what they could be so that they could transform into who they were called to be um, in God. And so that's kind of what I see in you, which is a really beautiful thing where it's like, yeah, these people have stumbled, but you're saying like, yeah, let he who cast the first stone or let he without sin cast the first stone. It's like, no, let me you know, take this person and, you know, give them a second chance. And show them something different. Yeah, give them the tools, which is, that's the important thing. It's it's one thing to say, hey, don't shun this person. Let's just give this person another chance. But if you don't give them the tools so that they don't fall back into that same sin Mm -hmm. that they were in or back into that same situation that they were in, well, then you're not leaving them any better than where you found them. You're just kind of giving them another chance to do the same thing over again. I would agree. And so that's that's another reason why I love the program that I work with so much because we bring them on college field trips and they get to sit in my sports psychology class. And you know they're not going to be quiet because I'm going to be calling on them. (laughs) (laughs) But also we have those strong relationships like I talked about. I'm in there a couple times a week connecting with them, doing sports with them, learning about, you know, their family life, the things they're passionate about. So they come to my class and they're like, this is the first time I've sat in on a college class. Like, I don't know anybody that's been to college. And it's crazy to see you up there teaching. If you were my teacher, this would be easy. <laughs> I'm like, 
First of all, yeah. don't say that. My class is supposed to be a little bit challenging. Um, but I just, I'm glad that I get to experience that with them. You know, they get to go to the dining hall and eat food. They're out right. of, you know, the facility for the day, connecting with college students, learning what it's like to be on a campus. So it's so fun for me to be able to co-create that experience with them. Like I asked them like, what do you want to do? Most of the time it's, I want to go see girls in the dining hall. I want to go sit in your class. I want to go swimming or I want to see a pool. I want to like see the college campus, see a dorm, see where y'all sleep, like things like that. So we try to, we try to make it happen for them so they can have that vicarious experience so they can see other college students or they can see professors or they can see um, people their age doing what they want to do. Oh yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Shout out to you. Yeah. So I'm trying to see where I want to go next. Let's go. Let's shift a little bit. So talk about competition. So you mentioned that you you're doing a lot of sports with them and talk about the importance of competition. And I've noticed a lot of how important competition is specifically within men. Mm -hmm. Um, But just talk about how important and pivotal competition plays in, you know, our daily lives and getting us to strive for the better rather than you know maybe just staying stagnant or being stuck where we are and reverting to you know bad habits. Yeah, it's extremely important. So, I did this sport ed model with my advisor in one of the facilities where we were able to measure like how compet- how important competition was and we put all the kids who were in different units on different teams. And so we had them competing in like poly sports. We had them doing basketball competitions each day when I would come in or like exercise competitions who can do certain amount of push-ups in let's say like two minutes. And every time they saw the board, I would mark off the board on who won each day and how many points they had for like team cohesion, encouraging each other, et cetera, miscellaneous stuff. I also even did a rap competition and that was Fire. Oh, I like, bet that was awesome. Oh my yeah. God, that was my favorite one. Um, but being able to see them like compete, I feel like that brought a different side of them out. Like they were, the stakes were high because they got to come to NIU for a visit. And so they were, they were super excited about that. But I think the other piece of that is like, Healthy competition just helps us grow. It helps us stay stimulated. It helps us stay healthy in our minds and in our bodies. Um, I also think that it helped them to focus on something different than their current environment. Like oftentimes they use like sport as a distraction or like um, programs that they're involved in in the facility as a distraction or a catharsis from what they're going through inside of there. Um, So I would say competition in that aspect is extremely important that's that's good yeah because i've noticed that if guys aren't pushed specifically guys one because i'm a guy and that's my experience in a sense but if uh guys aren't pushed to be competitive then they don't have ambition generally later in life Mm. and so like if they didn't play a sport or they weren't part of like chess club even or debate club or they weren't competing in some form of fashion to you know kind of sharpen themselves then they essentially become dull as individuals because they they lose this ambitious drive and I think a lot of it is brought on by kind of how the culture has shifted with you know everybody like kind of the no child left behind which is is good in a sense because everybody gets to be seen but I don't think it's healthy because it it 
almost takes the the top performers and says, "Hey, like, yeah, you're a top performer, but this bottom performer, you know, they're getting recognized just as much as you." Mm-hmm. So, can you speak to because you mentioned stakes, right? Which yeah. I'm big on stakes as far as crafting, you know, a story in video or just like creating an experience there always has to be something at stake right yes and even yesterday we we're like yeah we need to put some stakes on this game yes so talk about the difference between and even because even if you lose and something was at stake um if you were competitive in it you can still learn from that so the next time something is at stake even if it's not in that same arena mm-hmm. you can apply the lessons that you learned from the last time that something was at stake to this time. Yes. And so that that can help you become better. But if nothing's at stake and everybody's just like, you just do things to do it, then you, you don't have that learning experience whether you win or whether you lose. And so talk about how the difference between healthy competition and having stakes on, you know, just different activities versus just doing things and everybody's just, you know... We're here and, yeah. and, and everybody gets, gets a, participation. a participation trophy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I would say there's a couple things with that. Like the first is like the way I talk about it to my students is like the task has to be attractive to that person. Like you can't give everybody the same task. Like I always use the example like if I told you like at the end of this class, if you get an A, you're going to have dinner with Rihanna, you would probably get an A, right? But if uh, I yeah, told you you'd be maybe, pushing for that A, right? right you'd be, and I have 29 guys in my class, one girl. So I'm like, if, but if I told you we're having dinner with Jonah Hill at the end of the class, maybe Jonah Hill's not your favorite person, right? And you might be like, yeah, that's corny. I don't care, right? right? So for the person, and you're t- talking specifically about competition, it has to be attractive. You have to want to achieve that task, which means there has to be incentives involved. And so- incentives are either going to be intrinsic or extrinsic, right? So it's going to be, you know, I'm I'm passionate about this and motivated enough and the task is attractive enough that I'm going to give my all to it or it's extrinsic. I need a reward. I need a I need some recognition. I need someone to post me or whatever and that's going to be my way of of competing because I see that extrinsic reward. Oh yeah. And then, but good. then the sucker effect is kind of what you're talking about, which is like People sometimes after the competition get like kind of down on themselves or they'll be like, this was trash. I didn't want to do it. Let's just all have participation trophies. Like when you think about that, you're sort of thinking about like what people are attributing their success in competition to or their non-success. So it could be like their ability wasn't there, for example. Like maybe they didn't practice enough or it could be like, oh, I had a bad ref that game, like their luck or something, yeah, right? Yeah. Everyone hates that person. Like, don't be that person. <laughs> it's just like, hey, we still we still had to show up and play the game. Yes. It's like we could have just blew this team out and not had to worry about the refs or the umpires or whatever. Yeah, or it could also another one is like task difficulty. Like the task was just too difficult. It was really hard for me to get into the – the midst of it because it just was hard. Right. Um, so there are some there are some caveats to that. Like, and it's it's really interesting because it's it's individualistic and it's up to each person how hard they want to go at competition, depending on how they're motivated and how attracted they are to the task. Okay. That's interesting. So what do you see? Let's broaden this out to kind of our generation yeah. and maybe even Jacob's generation. So we're often labeled as, you know, lazy and unambitious. 
because we kind of, I mean, honestly, we do have everything. Like we have these, this this was, this would have been the most powerful computer in 1985. It would like, have. Think about that. Yeah. So <laughs> we have literally the world at our fingertips. So what are the incentives? What are some incentives that are maybe more broad that we can push out in our society to, you know, make people in general more ambitious so that our society continues to thrive and head in the right direction rather than, you know, become a slave to the success that we have and essentially resting on our laurels. Mm -hmm. And then as a result, we get, you know, passed by other countries and, you know, our society starts to degenerate. So how can we motivate people? Is, yeah, essentially, like, what, what are the motivations? What are the incentives at large that we can push? And so I know you said it's more indiv- individualistic, mm-hmm. but what are some things that could really kind of light a fire under a broad group of people to say, like, hey, like, we need to, you know, do better in this area? In work or in sport or? We can, we can do sports. Okay. Um, yeah, we can do sport. Let's let's keep it in sports because okay. that's your field. Okay, so some things that we can do in sport to motivate people. The first thing you want to do is build that cohesion amongst the group. Mm-hmm. So you want to have that cohesion. You want to have like smaller competitions within that. So you also, I always talk about this too. Like, you want to do like things that are unorthodox that most people generally wouldn't be good at or wouldn't be as good at, let's say like in that sport specifically. So you don't want to do, if you got, you got like, let's say like a softball team or a baseball team, you don't want to have them doing baseball or softball related competitions. You want to have them doing like a dodgeball competition or like a flip cup competition or something to even the playing field to get them more motivated to connect with each other. Cause connection is the most important thing to have that fire up under a person per se. Um, but as far as like incentives as a broad group, that's a little tricky. Well, I, I can speak to what you just said because yeah. going back to, you know, the championship teams I've been on, those teams outside or off the field, were really strong as well. And because they were really strong and did activities off the field, whether it was just, you know, hanging out, we threw, you know, a party and everybody was just hanging out for the night or whether it was like, hey, we're, we're all going to go bowling or something like that, which is, mm-hmm. you know, competition in of itself. Like we did those type of activities as a group outside of our sport, outside of the arena that we were in. And that made us better on the arena that yep. that motivated us better one because we had you know rapport we had more rapport yep. and so because we had that rapport and we had that chemistry we trusted each other more on the field because we had built this stronger bond away from the field so it wasn't just like we're we're just here at practice and then we play games together it's like no we're at practice we play games together but we're also doing things in life together right. and we're you know kind of walking this thing out. And so mm-hmm. this baseball thing that we play that we're a part of is just a smaller representation of us walking out life together. Yes. I would say that's key. Like bonding, connecting, social cohesion, 
outside of sport will inherently create that task cohesion and competitive edge inside your sport. Mm. So now I'm just kind of thinking out loud. Yeah. So now I'm thinking the way that we can, you know, motivate more people is to we we have to have conversations with them. We have to, mm-hmm. and I'm talking about at large now with our generation is we have to, instead of just trying to push this principle or this agenda on them and this agenda on them and saying like, hey, you need to care about this and you need to care about that, or yeah. this is right versus that is right. We need to actually talk to them. We yeah. need to actually start going out and participating in their life with them and walking with them because that's something Closest that I don't... in proximity. Right. That's yeah. something I don't see a lot. I see a lot of... Uh, we. I don't like getting into politics a lot, but a lot of politics is like, we're throwing this out at you and we believe this because the other side is wrong. Mm-hmm. And then the other side does the exact you know, opposite, but in the same way. Yeah. And so now you're in a position where you're like, they're making me choose a side. And it's like, I don't like either side, right? It's yeah. like, that's not you know my experience. It's like, we could be headed down a completely different road and actually, you know, building bridges, but you're burning this bridge and saying, I can only cross on your bridge. And it's like, no, we need to create avenues in all different directions and get perspectives so that we can best understand how to elevate people. Yes. Rather than just saying, hey, you got to accept this, you got to accept that. I 100% agree. And I want to add too, like you talked about it, Closeness and proximity is one of the keys to building strong relationships and having cohesion in order to create that motivation within people. Another thing that works really well on teams is like having distinctiveness. So you think about like your team jackets that you all wear or like your team backpacks or like someone's mom's always making cookies. So, you know, on Thursday, Billy's mom's going to bake those cookies for you. So having things that you all, or a team logo or a team song or a chant that comes on. Like we used to have a dance back on my high school team. Every time we won a state championship and we won every year, indoor and (laughs) outdoor. There you go. You better say it. (laughs) We did our dance and the teams knew it was coming. Like, so (laughs) it was just like, that's one of the things that helps to create that competitive edge and motivation within people if they can see something that they want to be a part of another thing that i like to talk about too is like being able to avoid conflict as much as possible like you want to try to avoid and if you have to face conflict cool but like you don't want to create conflict like you don't want to be combative with someone similar to how you said over politics or over like focusing on the things that you connect on rather than the things that disconnect Mm, you that's good And sometimes we get too caught up on the things that disconnect us instead of focusing in on what are our similarities and how can we build closeness and proximity and focus on our team dynamics and distinctiveness and enjoy this chant instead of talking about politics or stuff that's going to separate us. Well, and that's exactly what I think is the issue just in general in society. But also, I mean, I see this on – I see this affecting – you know, youth players too, because I coach baseball, uh, high school baseball players. And it's like, they're kind of a reflection of the society as far as like how motivated they are to play. I I see a change in how, like when we were in high school and our edge to play versus, you know, some of them, like some of them, they they have it down. Mm -hmm. But as a broader group, it's kind of like, 
the edge of, you know, really wanting to get something done, really wanting to win and versus just, you know, wanting to have a good time is, you know, they're, they're more on the side of, oh, we're just here to have a good time. And I'm like, no, I'm having a good time. Like, I'm always having a good time. You best believe it. Mm-hmm. But you best believe at the end of the day, I want to walk off this field a winner, right? And if I don't, then I'm going to take the lessons that I learned from the loss mm-hmm. and apply it to the next time that I get to compete. And so trying to find different ways to get my players to understand that um, and getting them to getting them to properly deal with failure in baseball because you're just inevitably going to deal with it is like, that's one of the greatest challenges because you're dealing with, you know, a generation that you're not a part of. And so you're trying to take what you know from your generation, but then also, you know, apply it to a different, you know, generation that's going through a totally different set of experiences and, you know, circumstances as well. Aunt Tony and I were talking about this and we talked about how like sport changes so much from generation to generation. Right. And, and like it's the same sport. And right? it's the same yeah. sport. I take track, for example, like I remember her, she talked about her high school coaches used to make them run like seven miles to, <laughs> to build a base during the winter time. I'm like, there's no way that we would do that in high school. Like that's crazy. <laughs> like we're working on speed work, we're working on agility, and then you think about like how can I make this last as long as I can throughout the duration of this race probably through repetition and let's say you're doing 100 meter hurdles running 150s etc but like just the trajectory of what you need to do to become successful at something changes and there are different ways and techniques to get there but I think that there aren't enough conversations being had between each generation about those things to create that change right and I think you hit on it just a little while ago it's because people are looking across the generation and seeing hey, y'all are doing this wrong, mm-hmm. rather than focusing on the similarities uh, and applying, or we're just focusing on the similarities as the starting point. The starting point is, hey, y'all are doing this wrong. Yep. And so it's combative from the beginning. Yep. It, but if you go at it from a different angle and say, hey, like, yeah, we both play this sport. Oh, y'all are doing it differently. Okay, yep. why are y'all doing it differently? Like, we used to do it like this. And then now you're able to take in all the information that you had, what you did versus what they did, and you're able to take, you know, okay, this is this is right in this scenario, but we can throw this out. Or maybe the old way is more advantageous in a certain scenario from, you know, what they do in the, in the modern age. It's like, oh, no, back in the day, we used to do this. Maybe this is more advantageous for your situation or so on and so forth. And so yeah. I think that's what doesn't happen is we don't come together and say it's it's almost like you, you don't go at it in good faith which means like you don't go at it wanting the best out of the situation for not only you but for the other person as well it's almost like i go into it ideologically possessed trying to prove that i'm right right exactly so it's yep. yeah it it's a it's a it's a tall task but easier said than done but it's something that definitely needs to be talked about um, that is our conversation on purpose. When we come back, we're going to get into identity with Gab. It's going Let's to go. be a lot of fun. We're going to have an, um, some more just profitable conversation. If you have any questions, now is the time to leave them in the comments. We will get to them right after this break. Uh. 
a, a dull person doesn't doesn't reflect on this verse right here at all. When you saying to yourself, fix he's literally saying, God's literally saying, fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. That is the complete opposite of what you're almost of of, of, of a dull person. Right. You know? And so the thing the thing is that God doesn't want God doesn't <laughs> your light isn't shining when you're dull. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. I mean because I mean the, it ahead. could be you can say dull you can say dull person or you can say dim person if we're sticking with yeah. the the light analogy of being illuminated right and so a dull person is equal to somebody who's dim or who is just dark in a sense because they have no light and so they're just they're dull in a sense they're not sharp yeah man yeah you know i just think it just comes down to man like just Change, change, you know, changing your mindset, changing your mindset, changing, you know, really reflecting on the God, the person that God wants me to be. Profitable conversations. What up? What up? Oh, let me get in focus. Hey, camera, focus on me. Come on. (laughs) There it is. There it is. We are back, and it's a family affair tonight. We got Gab what in up? the building, my cousin, middle child syndrome. Yes, that's real. Me too, Gab. <laughs> I think, yeah, my mom's a middle child too. Oh, it just runs in the family. It well, does. I guess every- middle children are special. We're really special. Shout out to my middle children out there. Uh, Kenya McIntosh says, Gab, what tea are you drinking? It's piping hot. Which one is this? The one you have? No, it's not. Stop lying. <laughs> <laughs> hey, quality people, you want more quality content like this? Make sure that you. Because we are on a mission to spread some practical religion. You can go ahead and tell them what's in the cup. It's just a little bit of tea, honey tea. Hot honey tea. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's tea. It's tea. All right. Your father said this is very practical principles. Yes, shout out to you. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> we got Miss Veronica in the building. Welcome to the Quality Life. Hi. This is very good. Great. We got job. a lot of comments. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we we yeah we <laughs> yes we do. This is uh this is great, guys. All right. T Max says, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will succeed. The good news, even if you're lost and don't know your mm. way out through a difficult situation right now, give it up to God. God is with you. Yes. God is with you. And I think she had a continuation as well. Continuation from above. Make a promise with him that you will see it through the end and he will lay a path down for you. Yes. Mm. Let the Lord be a light unto your path and a lamp unto your feet. Amen. I like I that. Chills. That one was good. Yeah. You, you preaching tonight, T-Mac. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see if we have any more comments. It looks like we are all caught up. So yeah, um, really quick, before we get into our next topic, we want to show you the schedule for this week. So we have probably no show tomorrow. We might surprise you, but no show tomorrow. Wednesday, we're going to be back at it with a quality pod. 
9 p.m. We got some great topics already lined up because some stuff has happened since we've been gone these last two weeks. 7.30, we're going to do another quality pod. And then Friday, we have Double Trouble at 5. We're going to have Faith and Beyond with Miss Kenya McIntosh. And then that's going to be followed by another Profitable Conversations. I am working on having one of my players on on Friday. So we'll see if I don't have to play. So we might have a game that day. So we'll see. We'll see how that all shakes up. But that is what you have to look forward coming up on the quality life. Now let's get into our next topic. Identity. So Gab. Cause. Here's my question for you. Okay. Define who you are. Oh, it's more like a Statement, open statement. Okay. Define who you are in this moment. Mm. What would you say your identity is? Oof. I would say first, my identity is rooted in Christ. Period. Amen. I know, like, he, I would be nowhere without him. Like, I am just so thankful for all the gifts that he's Bless me with just for giving me breath in my body every day, all of that. So I would say that's first. Second, I would say right now, I'm a boundary setter. I was not a boundary setter before. I was a people pleaser. And I'm sure so many people can relate to this, but like literally, it didn't matter what setting I was in. I was like trying to like please everyone around me at the expense of like my own mental health and my own not having my own boundaries, all of that. Like, I just, right now I'm a boundary setter. I'm a hard no (laughs) on any day (laughs) because I'm like, it's important for me to maintain that space for myself. And I don't think I really valued that even, I would say, a year ago. Um, So I'm a boundary setter. I'm still an empath, though. I'm very much an empath. Um, I am a servant leader, so always looking for opportunities to give to people around me, to connect with students, connect with the kids and youth that I work with, um, as well as very family-oriented. And this is something that I feel like has developed over the past year and a half, but, like, my family means everything to me. Mm. Y'all are, like, <laughs> it. Like, period. Did Somebody come for y'all? Bella, Bella. <laughs> They're going to have to see me. They're going to have to see me. Because I just... You only get one family. You only get like, I got two siblings. You only get two siblings. Um, And just the experiences and memories that we've been, I even think back to like us playing shark, shark, killer, shark in your backyard. Yeah, that was wild. Like I will forever cherish those moments with you guys growing up, connecting, Mm -hmm. being able to hang out at someone's house. So I would say like family is also key. Um. And I'm going to stop right there because those are the most important things to me right now. No, that is great. And I like the last thing you said was the moments. And that's kind of everything in life because everything in life is about the moments that you have with, you know, different people. Because when everything's said and done, like, you may not be able to do this like you used to or that like you used to, but you'll have memories Right, you'll have these different moments that you can look back upon and say, "Wow, that was good, that was good, that was great. This was an amazing experience that I had." And it's always those experiences are always 
focused around, you know, people that you love, whether it's your blood relatives or whether it's, you know, friends or family or friends or, you know, just different people in your life. And so a lot of people don't focus on, you know, these different moments that happen. Like you just said, the, we were playing, you know, hockey, the shark, shark, killer sharks versus yes. the whales and all that. Yes. And or even pickleball this weekend. Right. That's a memory with you guys that I'll be able to cherish forever. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's a new memory that we created. But think yes. about the the, mem- the the old memory. That was from when we were like 10 or 11. Mm-hmm. Maybe even, yeah, that was pro- maybe young. No, that was probably around 10 or 11. Yeah. And that's something that every time we see each other, it's like, hey, remember when we played? <laughs> yeah, and it was all our cousins. Yeah, we yes. played Kick the Can that weekend too. And I remember y'all left, and I was literally about to cry because I was like, Jacob and I, because y'all got, we said bye to you, and then we ran up to the 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 playroom, which was right above the garage, and we just looked out and we just like watched y'all leave, and we we're like, man, like. Y'all take it. It just felt like, man. Yeah. You know? Those are the moments. Yeah. So, and those are the moments that that you should cherish forever. And if you don't live in the moment and you don't hold on to those cherished memories, then you'll start to become, you know, calloused because then you'll start focusing on everything that's going wrong in your life rather than, you know, the different moments that, you know, should keep you going. Because if you if you can focus on you know these moments that are great, and you can focus on you know all that you have rather than the things that are going wrong and all that you don't have, then your life becomes a lot better because you're able to actually see the good in the world rather than always focusing on you know what is you know broken and what is bad and what is evil in a sense. So yeah. Yes. Preach. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that is good. Let's let's get into more about your identity in Christ because that's the first thing you said. Yes. Take us through your journey in walking with Christ. It's and- been a pimp walk like this. You know how people do those. <laughs> <laughs> it's been one of those. <laughs> Lean back, but we're gonna keep moving forward. Hey, like, I hear you. So I would say. You know, first off, let me just start by saying I am an MK, okay, a minister's kid. And for those who know, you know, you got to sit in the front row. You can't be on your phone. If you're on your phone, you might look up and see your parent looking at you like, I'm about to snatch you out that row. So I grew up like with my dad as a minister. And I feel like that was a little bit hard because he was also like a preacher too. He was a preacher, a minister. He was like a principal at the school that I was about to go to. So it was just a lot of pressure, a lot of like maybe pressure I put on myself to kind of like perform and try to be perfect and live by every set of Christian standards that they are. But as I kind of matured in my relationship with Christ, I realized like I don't have to be perfect. I just have to keep getting up each day and make a decision to stay committed to my relationship with him. Mm, yeah. So that's that's kind of where I've been for the past few years. It's been like being intentional with my journaling, being intentional with my devotional time, making sure I'm taking out time to pray during the day and pray when people are making me happier, when they're getting on my nerves. And I feel like I just want to snatch people up. But I'm like, God, God, you didn't tell me to do that. So I'm just going to pray and talk to you, right? Mm-hmm. Like when I'm upset with friends or when I get into quarrels with family, like trying to navigate through that 
in my relationship with Christ. Right. Just become like more of Christ-like in your manner of how to deal with those. Yes. Now I, mm-hmm. I get you. I get you. So what is something that has like radically changed in your, I guess, let's let's start with like the last couple of years when you've been, you know, pimp walking with Christ. Yes. I don't want to say pimp in Christ in the same sentence because that sounds. I I know, but that. But that's. I'm just going along. No, with I know the, yeah. what I said. <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm like, let yeah. me not we, say pimp in Christ. Yeah, but Christ isn't a pimp, but Christ isn't get, a pimp. Get, but I was just using an analogy. But um, I would say one of the main areas which really did not make me happy that God was like, you need to work on this, was my social media, because I feel like a lot of my social media, like I would post things that weren't really me at the time. Like I was just like trying to fit in or trying to do what looked cool, whether it was like pictures that maybe I had a little bit less clothes on than I was supposed to like, all right, you in a bikini and you're doing a little bit too much. You might be turning a little bit too much to this side or that side, (laughs) like just doing too much. And I feel like I was, it wasn't even like, I knew it was too much because of my intention behind it or my caption or whatever. Like I was like, I knew my social media was one of the areas that he was calling me to work on and change. And I think like people have said this to me too, like that's an area where they've seen the most change recently. And I was like, dang, that's I knew I was changing it or trying to change the way that my aesthetic was on my page because I had done a lot of workout videos. I had done a lot of like, Instagram-y model pictures. And I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And now I'm like, okay, like, let me just actually feel comfortable sharing my life. Like, what do I do on the daily? I go play pickleball. Okay, I'm going to go post a picture playing pickleball. It doesn't need to be this whole long thought out thing about what I want to portray to people. It just needs to be the reality of where I'm at. And so I had an issue with like social media because I wasn't connected with my reality or accepting my reality and being okay with it. I feel like I was trying to compare myself to other people and things that I was seeing on social media as opposed to just living where I was and being okay with that. Mm, Yeah. Comparison is this thief of joy. joy. Yep. There it is. So you mentioned that your caption and your photo wasn't congruent. So, you know, Go down the road of like how they weren't congruent and then what the realization was when you realized, hey, like this isn't me in yes. a sense. And then how did you, you know, correct that? Well, I just realized yeah. it when I realized like what I was posting wasn't congruent with like where I was in my personal life. Like I'm going to church on Sundays and I'm trying to get closer to God, but then I'm over here posting a Meg the Stallion quote and halfway turned around with a two-piece that one or whatever. And it's like, that's not really the same to mm. me. That's not the same person. It may right, be for right, some right. people, right? Like it's nothing wrong with having a good balance of who you are. But for me, I was like, why am I not comfortable sharing Christ? Or why am I not comfortable sharing more about my family life or my personal life or my hobbies? Like, why does it have to be like me dressing up and being all extra. Why can't it just be me in the moment? Why is that not good enough? And when I got to that route, I was like, okay, something has to change with my social media. I have to be portraying more of where I really am as opposed to like trying to fit in with what everybody else is doing. Like what I'm trying to work on as a person versus kind of like, okay, maybe at one point this was me, but now that I'm maturing and I am walking and trying to become more Christ-like every single day, 
that needs to be reflected in what I post. Yes. And so maybe people say that I'm a hypocrite because I used to, you know, post these pictures like the Instagram models, but now right. I'm posting quick pictures of me in church or whatever it is, or right. just me doing, you know, things in a more modest way. Right. They might call me a hypocrite and say, you've changed. And it's like, well, yeah, That's I've, good. I've changed, but this is for the better. Right. This is for the better. So take me back. You said I had to get to the root. So what do you think the root of, of what was going on was? Like, what, what, why do you think that you were, yeah, I'm trying to work on it, but why do you feel like you still had to, you know, post those sorts of pictures? I think I needed a heart transplant. That's the best way I can put it because I feel like my heart posture wasn't in the right place. Like I was listening to the most crazy music and I can tell you I knew every word to the songs. When I say I know City Girls albums from start to finish, every track, you don't even have to skip a track and I know all the songs still because it's played that many times in my head. There's nothing wrong with City Girls. Shout out JT and Carisha, right? But at the same time, if you're listening to some songs and you're believing the lyrics that they're saying and you're putting on that as like your personality, you start to believe that and you start to think like, oh, well, Maybe I do need to post like this, or maybe I do need to say these things in my captions. So I think for me, it was really like listening to music was opening the door for me to start to perceive myself differently than how God perceived me. Right. That was like your stumbling block. That was my stumbling block. Got you. Got you. Now, Cousin Sinitra has an interesting comment. She says, you set a new boundary. And so let's wrap this conversation back to... During this time, how was setting boundaries, like you mentioned earlier, how important was that? And how what was that process like when you were like, no, I got to start setting boundaries. I got to start saying no, hard no to this versus trying to people please all the time. Oof. Setting boundaries was really challenging. And I still struggle with like how I'm going to say what boundary I'm setting and how I'm saying it to each person. And I think about like, Let's use like work relationships, for example, like how I'm going to tell my supervisor or colleague, "Eh, I don't really want to do this today. This wasn't in my plans. I don't want to do it. I'm not in for it. So I think like setting the boundary for me, I literally remember like typing it in my notes. Like that's how detail oriented I am. I'm like, I have to type out why I don't want to go to something how I'm feeling, and then figure out how I want to word it to that person that makes sense for our relationship, mm. if that makes sense. No, yeah, that's good. Um, And then for family, of course, it's like you have to be more authentic. You have to just say, like, you know, mom, dad, et cetera, this isn't in my plans. You know, I'm, I'm sorry I can't make it to this, or I'm sorry I can't do this at the moment because of X or Y. Um, so, But I always try to explain which still I'm working on I know I don't need an explanation for everything but I always do try to explain to the person why I'm not doing something or why I'm not able to do something but I do setting boundaries is something that I do do now because it if not it just exhausts my mental health I'm like I I can't give you more of me and have less of me for me right right it's not fair well it's like yeah if you're not full of water or you're not full of anything of yourself in a sense, then you can't give 
you know, yourself to this other person because mm-hmm. like you need to go back and you need to recharge yourself. Yes. And so it's like you can't like if I always use the two cup analogy, if this cup is empty and this cup is you, if it's you can't pour into somebody else if you don't have anything to pour into them. You need to go get filled back up. And yes. so the way the way you would do it is, you know, getting back in your word, just resting um, and, you know, maybe even time with family, friends and just you know, just honestly, it's just resting and yes. just being who you are. And then you can go back to being fruitful for the Lord ultimately, but just in your life with the different things that you do. So, yeah, that's good. So I was, um, one of the things I had uh, a conversation I had with my coach was he was like, you just try to please everybody. Cause in college, mm. um, I was just I wanted to do a lot of different things and make an impact in a lot of different ways, but that ultimately led to me just being up all night, just yep. with homework, with you know serving as a member of it was called SAC. I was the vice president yeah, of that. Yeah, I'm familiar. Yeah, and so I was the vice president at my school, and we did a lot. So as far as D two, we raised the most money for Make a Wish every single year. I was there. The most money and by like it wasn't even close and we did a lot of different events and a lot of different things to enhance the student athlete experience as well and so I was a major part of you know planning all these different events but I was also on the baseball team and I was also in school as well and so that led for like a lot of long nights and a lot of just you know, giving myself to a lot of different things. And I wanted to do it all, to be honest with you, because I just wanted to be there and I wanted to be excellent at everything. But my coach was like, uh, you you got to be able to say no. And I yeah. know that you, you, you're you a great person and you want to be there for everything, but you can't please everybody mm-hmm. all the time. And so that's something I really had to learn. And so it went back to setting boundaries. And the way that I did it was... I had to set the boundary of, okay, what is my ultimate goal? And so ultimate goal is to, you know, one, become more Christ-like, but also help people become more Christ-like as well so that we can all meet Jesus at the top of the mountain. That's kind of like my little thing. But then, of course, you have different goals for, you know, whatever you're you're trying to do. So, like, go back to sports. It's like I want to hit – in baseball, a certain batting average, or as far as the team, I, we want to make it to this point in the season at least. And then once we get there, we advance on. And so I constantly had to ask myself, all right, I got this boundary set. And if something was presented to me like an opportunity, I have to assess like, okay, does this move me closer to towards the goal or is it going to keep me in the same position or possibly, Ooh, you know, move me back? I like that. And so that's how I started to measure, you know, how I weigh decisions. So when things are presented to me now, it's like, okay, how does this serve my ultimate goal? If it doesn't serve it, then I'm sorry, I can't do it. Yep. Right. Or I'll I'll say like, maybe this is just not the right time. If it's something that I think I can help with, it's just like, just... Right now, everything is, you know, just a little too busy. Um, But everything is measured against, you know, the ultimate goal. Right. And so if it doesn't serve that goal in the moment, then it's just not the right timing. And so... I like that assessment that you do. That's like smart. Yeah, it took me a while to get there, but that's that's ultimately, you know, how I break things down now. Okay. It's like, 
okay, what is my goal as far as, you know, this YouTube channel, okay? If somebody were to come up to us with the opportunity to do X, Y, and Z, it's like, well, is it helping people to give practical religion? If the answer is yes, then, well, yeah, we can talk about this and consider it and make sure, you know, everything's ironed out accordingly. But if it's not, then it's an easy no, because Mm -hmm. ultimately you're just going to tarnish what your your brand in a sense. And so as a brand ambassador for Christ, then you always have to weigh, all right, is this making me more Christ-like? Is this going to make other people more Christ-like? And is this going to represent the kingdom of God in a Christ-like manner? Like, how does this reflect back on that? And so if the answer is yes, then it's like, okay, now let's take the next step to evaluate deeper whether this is a yes or uh, a no. But if it's no, then it's just, okay, yeah, thank you for your time. Thank you for the opportunity, but I can't do that right now. It's just... Like that. We're not aligned right now. I'm gonna use that. Yeah, I'm gonna use that because most of mine have been like work related, not necessarily socially related mm-hmm. yet. Because my PhD program gets me out of so much social stuff, I literally use it as an excuse all the time. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, no, I can't. I have school, right? But like, yeah. Then once I get out of school, I'm gonna need to use that. So I'm definitely gonna be borrowing that. Tag that in the comments so that people can use it. Okay. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, I think uh, Cousin Sinitra already did. She says... That's what I do, too. I like it. Well, she said... Uh, uh, oh, yeah, she was talking about your... Um, I forget what that was in reference to. She says, brand ambassador for Christ. Love it. Yes. Gosh. And so, um, yeah, that's literally the point that you have to set, and then everything falls down. Because you got to have your, your values structured in a proper way. It's like, what's at the top of your values? And so, like, for you, when you were going through, you know, this isn't congruent with who I'm trying to be as far as your social media, it's like your values were kind of reversed. And then once you realize that, you're like, oh, no, I got to make the change. Yep. Because I realize I'm not putting my relationship with Christ at the forefront because of this, you know, the stumbling block. Maybe it was I was listening to music. And that was... I was actually putting that on top of, you know, fixing my eyes on Christ. That was actually blinding me towards, you know, actually continuing up the mountain towards Christ Mm -hmm. and seeing him and being able to see him clearly. And so, yeah, that is very good. Very good. So do you have anything else that you want to touch on as far as like how your identity is being shaped I feel like we covered most of it. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I don't think so. You think we got it? I mean, I'm I'm good. I just wanted to if we if we didn't cover anything that you felt like people could get value from, then I'm I'm open ears. Hey, we want to hear your questions in the comments. When we come back, we are going to talk about my ideas and see what Gabrielle thinks about two of the prof tips that I have queued up. But until we get back, make sure you're sending in your questions and your comments. We'll pop them up on the screen before we head out. Be right back. The difference between loneliness and being alone. Oh, please tell us why you decided to, well, why is this your point? Like, mm-hmm. what are you thinking? 
Yeah, so I was watching the video. It kind of brought me back to when I felt lonely. And there was a point where um, I'll get into like my story a little bit later, but there was a point where I was like, okay, I'm on my walk with Jesus. I'm on my walk with God. I'm kind of studying like loneliness, being alone kind of thing. And I learned that loneliness is more of an emotion, whereas being alone is like your setting is it's it's where you are currently like if you're like alone in your apartment right. or something it's something that you're doing in the present yes yeah so and i learned like god works through you when you're alone like when you're alone god has the opportunity right. to honestly do whatever because you're you, you have no yeah. distractions you have nothing that can hinder that interaction right there it's so like that's that's their secret place yes yes yeah, so that's my big takeaway is I think if people understood that there is beauty in being alone, but understand you have to be purposeful in that in that moment alone too. Amen. After that, so you had a Bible verse as well. Yes. And it was Isaiah 41.10. Yeah. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And I chose that one because, I mean, I feel like it's the opposite of what loneliness feels like. Like you feel like you're well, obviously alone. You feel like no one understands you. You feel like you're kind of weak. Right. And I think that Bible verse like the opposite it's hopeful it it shows how having god in your life mm -hmm. can turn those things around with you. welcome back to profitable conversations what up i'm here with my wonderful cousin first Gabrielle cousin Bennett. first cousin yeah first cousin you better tell them. And favorite. I'm starting stuff. Let me stop. Like for the algorithm. Yeah, y'all just like for the algorithm. <laughs> I have no comment there. But you know who do? You know who does have a comment? Who? Your father. He is back. He says, Ooh. "How do both of you want to inspire the next generation?" Ooh, I want to inspire the next generation. I think specifically of like. The girls at Winslow who were on the track team, who I miss and love so much. That's my former high school. I want to inspire them to know that they can literally achieve anything in this world that they want to. And I want to show them that through my work. Like, I want them to see become a doctor you can become a lawyer you can become a podcast hoster you can become anything that you want to um and i hope to leave a legacy behind of that as an example of, of specifically my life and the way that i've lived i also see myself like pouring into the next generation of leaders through like scholarship opportunities and organizations that i plan to start once i finish my doctorate so stay tuned i got a lot of great stuff coming to new jersey because you know where I'm from. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, for me, my big thing is I want to help people to live freely. Mm. 
and so that they can you know practically take the next steps to become more actually more christ-like yes rather than just saying hey i gotta affirm this set of ideas or propositions it's like yeah i have these propositional beliefs but they're rooted in how i live my life and this Mm -hmm. is how it's actually manifesting in my life um and so whether i'm coaching whether i'm you know on a podcast or you know or even if i'm just producing a show everything is about how to practically set people free Mm. right rather than because we all we all know the bible verses and we all talk about quote scripture about being set free where the spirit of the lord is there's liberty but then it's like well what does that actually mean and so i want to get people to practically walk out their faith because i don't think faith is just like this oh i just believe that is true in my heart and Mm -hmm. it's like if you believe it's true in your heart you actually you know walk towards that and so that's how i want to inspire the next generation is to get them to actually walk up the mountain towards christ rather than you know just being ideologically possessed with ideas whether it's these political ideas whether it's you know ideas that you get from your parents Mm -hmm. ideas that you get in school it's like yeah you can take in all these ideas but then you have to navigate you know i can take this idea or this part of this idea is good but the rest of it is bad and it's because foundationally i am you know like you said rooted in christ and i'm trying to transform into you know a more christ-like image every day it's yeah. like he said i was created we, we are created in the image of god and it's like well yeah but but we're also very sinful mm-hmm. and so we need to be able to turn away from our sins and and feel free like you said right i yeah. love that you said that because that gives people the opportunity to like experience Christ instead of being like hit over the head with Christ. Well, yeah. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, because what I see now is people will, you know, affirm, yeah, I believe in Christ, but then they don't feel him. And Mm. so then they wait for a song to hit them and the Holy Spirit to take over. And it's like, sometimes you're just doing too much. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's like, it's like, I know this song, I know this song is good, but I mean, and I'm not one you're to drawling. say that. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not saying. I'm not yeah. one to say that. Like you, you're not catching the Holy Spirit or whatever. Right. But at the end of the day, I, I mean, I could be very excited about you know certain things in my life, and I mean, of course, that's it's all up to my experience. Mm-hmm. But you can witness somebody catch the Holy Spirit, you know, <laughs> from the song or whatever, and then you don't see the Holy Spirit touch them in any other area of their life. Okay. And so. <laughs> And so I want to be the person to inspire people to say, hey, like I'm actually walking this thing out with Christ. Right. And yes, I get excited during worship. Or, I mean, maybe you're just a person that thinks deeply about music. So sometimes I'm very excited when I listen to music and I'm just like, I want to dance. But sometimes I'm actually, because I am a musician and I make music, sometimes I want to listen to the intricate details of you know how these instruments are meshing together and how the vocal sits so that mm-hmm. when i so that when i make music i can you know maybe apply something so yes. that i can glorify god in a similar manner or like some people that. just you know just want to appreciate the music mm-hmm. and appreciate and think about what god has done during a song rather than being 
you know, over emotional, right? And, and so I'm just people, using worship as a just one example. That's of a good like example. A whole broader thing. No, that's a great example because I also think about that because I think about like some people are just appreciating the environment too, like the environment of being around other believers or being in a house of worship, right. or just, they're just soaking up the presence of that. And so it's important for us too. I feel like to your point as believers to be not pushing our own agendas of worship or how people should be doing things, but rather like how you said it earlier, allowing them to be free to express their relationship with Christ in a way that makes sense for them. Right. And that, that actually brings the conversation full circle because earlier we were talking about how we need to focus on our similarities rather than excommunicating people because of, you know, a difference. And part of, you know, coming together as Christians is that, we're all different. We could be Jew and Gentile, but we're coming together to glorify God and to serve Jesus as being the way, the truth, and the life. And so we all have different personalities as well, Mm -hmm. and we all express ourselves in different ways. And so the way I express myself in worship or the way I express myself in fellowship is probably going to be different than the way you do, just Mm -hmm. like the way we interpret things and the way we communicate is different. But I think nowadays, as well, specifically in the West, everything is supposed to be cookie cutter for us. And we actually see that in the way we construct neighborhoods. Yes. It's like the suburbs, it's like you you go through and everything is the same. And you're like, that house looks just like that house. And that house looks just like that house. Mm-hmm. And this house might be identical to the one down the street. They just look like they just put it a little far out of the way just so nobody would notice. But it's <laughs> like it's like they all look very similar. And yeah. it's like Christ isn't trying to make a cookie cutter Christian. Nope. Come it's on like now. We're all different people and he's all shaping us to be more like him, but in different ways. And we all have to use our our talents and we all have to use our gifts to glorify him, but we all have different talents and we all have different gifts. Yeah. And so that was a great way to put it. The cookie cutter. He's not making prototypes here. Right. And I think that's, I mean, on either side, the more conservative Christians or the more liberal Christians, I think they're both kind of saying like, Hey, it has to be this way. And the other side's wrong. And it's like, no, we're, we're now we're back to choosing sides. Yeah. It's like y'all are being, um, back to you know our first thing we talked about healthy competition. This isn't healthy competition because this isn't advancing anybody towards Christ. Healthy competition is holding somebody accountable um, when they stumble or lifting them up when they stumble and say, "Hey, you're better than that. Yeah, you can do better than that. I know you can." Right, and so you're not necessarily condemning them. You're not casting the stones at them, but you are saying, "Hey, this isn't you, and this isn't what you were trying to represent." Now go and sin no more. Like Jesus told the woman who I think she had like, she just basically committed adultery essentially. And so he says, go and sin no more to a lot of people. And so you're not affirming what they did wrong, Mm -hmm. but you're not shunning them and condemning them either. You're actually treating them for what they could be, which is, you know, more Christ-like. Yes. All right. We have another question. I like that. Um, it says, what, from Aunt Cindy, what do you do to relax from the daily grind? Aunt Cindy, that's a great question. Uh, for me, it would be 
exercise. So whether that's like taking a run, going for a nature walk. I love nature walks with a nice waterfall at the end so I can sit down and relax. I also will do yoga sometimes as well. Um, as of like last year, I've been doing yoga in a sauna. It's been 132 degrees in there and you just sweat and you detox (laughs) and it feels amazing. Talk about burning three times the calories in half the amount of time. Um, I also like to journal to just relax my mind and just kind of brain dump some things. Um, but those are some of the things that, that I've been doing and relax. What about you, Josh? What do you do? Kenya's in the building. Hey, Kenya. Hello, girlfriend. What's up? <laughs> she, she, you were struggling getting that door open. <laughs> so what do I do to relax from the daily grind? Well, as yes. of lately, nothing. It's just been 24-hour grind nonstop. But, I mean, it's all things that I just love to do. So mm-hmm. part of my daily grind is what I would do to relax from my daily grind mm-hmm. anyway, which is... A blessing because I'm able to do that. But when I do get taxed out, maybe I just, you know, watch a movie with Kenya or, you know, my loved ones or, you know, YouTube. And like, I know we're posting this on YouTube, but I watch a lot of YouTube. So just catching up on, you know, the different creators that I really enjoy and just enjoying it rather than because sometimes I watch YouTube to study. It's Mm -hmm. almost like watching film. Yep. Um, and saying like, okay, how is their lighting? How is their studio set up? How is their audio? Like the, just the technical aspect, but just enjoying YouTube and just watching, you know, more lighthearted videos rather than maybe serious videos where they're breaking down maybe like a Christian doctrine or what have you. Just so I do that. Sometimes I play video games just to just release. I don't play. I don't play that often, but if I have time and just like, man, I just, just need a break. Might play a video game. Also, I work on music, too. So I'm trying to get back into Kenya's like, you need to release a song. And I've been trying to get back Drop into... Drop that single. I mean, I have a lot of songs, but I have a project that I'm working on. And I don't want to release the song until, you know, kind of the project is complete. So then I can kind of roll out the whole thing. And also, I want some more subscribers so I can roll it out to somebody know, other than right. my family Y'all better well. subscribe. So, yeah, make sure that Fight you... for the algorithm. I ain't playing with you. (laughs) (laughs) And Cindy, you know what else is really good that I don't know if you're on TikTok, but maybe try like food TikTok because they have a lot of cool recipes and stuff that you can watch people make. And that's pretty relaxing as well. Yes, Kenya, we are waiting for that album. Drop that comment. Yeah, y'all just keep on viewing, keep on liking and subscribing and the album will, it'll just poof, it'll magically appear. I like that. I like that. Okay, so last thing that we're going to do before we get out of here hey hey name tags get off get off we're gonna wait for it to clear we're gonna wait for it to clear there it is okay cool prof tips okay it's the moment you've been waiting for last segment i'm going to give you we established the the, the name tweets that haven't been tweeted from Josh basically when oh Miracle gosh. when Miracle was because I don't tweet on Twitter but these are just like you know my thoughts and that I get to mine out with people when they're on the show before I get to the two prof tips that I have for you I do have an opening question and that opening question is, really- is how is your faith growing ooh that is a good question so 
the way that I've seen my faith grow most recently has been like visually with God. Cause it used to just be like, I can feel God. I can feel his presence. I can hear his voice. But as of recently, like I've seen a lot of signs of God. And like I was telling you, I've had like visions of things that he has in my future. I can't share them yet, but you will see them one day. Um, <laughs> but I've I've been seeing symbols of those in person. And so that's how I know my faith has grown so much because to be able to see things visually and to have like that insight and close proximity to God, it's taken me a long time to get there. But like, I feel like it started off as me kind of like hearing, me kind of reading and learning, but now it's grown into me actually physically seeing things that he's talked to me about in my dreams or talked to me about like in the word. And that has been like really cool. Amen. Amen to that. So just a quick follow-up question. Mm-hmm. So it basically just escaped me. <laughs> Hold on. Let me bring it back. Yeah, it is gone. It's gone just like the wind. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. Yeah, I, I completely forgot what I was about to say. Um, but anyway, no, that that is that. Oh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. What? How do you know these visions are, you know, of God rather than, you know, just not of God? Ooh, They're just like your own. That's a great visions question. because they were told to me by a close family member who has also a very close relationship with God prior to me even seeing those visions. So and they were affirmed they, they were affirmed. by another believer. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And then I saw it and I was like, whoa, that was the first time I had really like seen God's presence like visually. I'd seen it in dreams and I've seen it like in terms of imagery, but I've never seen it like, like I'm having, for example, I go on nature walks a lot and I'm having conversations with God about things that I'm looking forward to or things that I want to do or, or visions that have, like you said, been affirmed to me. And I'll see some of those things like near me during the time. So it's, it's been interesting. It's been an interesting faith walk, but it's, it's gotten so much more clear as I've stayed close in proximity. There you go. I like that. All right. So let's get into our prof tips. So first one, just want to know your thoughts and we can have a dialogue. It says emotions make a terrible master, but a great student. Emotions make a terrible master, but a great student. So it's saying like, don't let your emotions rule you, but they teach you something. Right? Right. I I just want to know your thoughts. I can I can I'll break it down to you after. All right, uh, this is like a yeah. quiz. I don't. So for, it's, it's not for a quiz. For those who are so. watching this, I don't do quizzes for my students. Take group exams, and I'm so lenient. <laughs> like this is just a test for me right now. Okay. So, so it's less of a quiz and more of like, how does this actually strike you? Okay. And then I will say this is what I was thinking, and then we kind of bring it to a point so that we're we're kind of co-creating the actual meaning of it. Okay, together. Yes. Got it. Okay. Emotions make a terrible master but a great student. Mm. When I read this, I'm thinking like I feel like emotions 
I don't think I agree with this. Emotions make a terrible okay. <laughs> emotions make a terrible master, but a great student. I don't agree with it. <laughs> That's I don't know what else to add to it though, because you I just, just don't agree with I it. I just don't agree with <laughs> All it. All right, so why why don't you think you agree with it? What is striking about it that you don't agree with? Because I don't know if emotions make a great student. In what way? Or why? You're a teacher, so. Because because you can learn things from emotion, but I don't think, maybe it's just worded weird and it's just tripping me up a little bit. Hold on. Emotions make a terrible master, but a great student. I don't know, Josh. What do you think of this one? Okay, so I'll tell you my thinking on this. Okay. So it's like emotions are terrible as far as being a master. So you kind of were headed in the direction that I was thinking when you said don't let emotions rule you. And so if you are constantly just guided by your emotions, then you will get like you're going to get yourself into a lot of sticky situations, right? Because you don't have emotional intelligence in a sense. Mm -hmm. But if you are if your emotions are students of you know a greater master so if like you have control over your emotions then you can learn from your emotions so your emotions are actually the student of your i guess greater consciousness in a sense i guess that's what i was confused i'm like what would my emotions would be a student of right what so like Anytime you have an emotional response, you're going to be able to learn from it. So your emotions or your your emotions in different scenarios are able to better learn how to deal with certain situations with that scenario. Okay. And so it becomes, okay, I was angry in this situation. Why was I angry? Mm-hmm. Or how? what is the best way to emotionally respond if I'm in this circumstance versus this circumstance? And so your emotions actually help you to become a student. But it's bad if your emotions are the master in those situations oh. and you only act and you only act on your emotions. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yes. So um I think your um camera died really quickly. So I'm going to change your battery and then we will be right back to it for our last prof tip. We could share a camera too. Uh yeah, that one that one just died. I probably turned the cameras on a little too early anyway. It's all right. But uh so while that's going on, while that is pulling up, what do you think about the quote now? I feel like I'm not still convinced. I need a little bit more research on this. Like <laughs> Okay, <laughs> that's like, fair enough. I feel like I don't know that your emotions should even have enough space to be a student because they're so inconsistent, you know? Like, I don't know that, like, you think about a student and how much dedication and how much time students put into work or craft or skill, et cetera. I'm like, I don't know that I want my emotions to have that great of a space to even 
to be a, a student. No, I, you know I, what I mean. No, yeah, I definitely understand uh, where you're coming from. It's more like you, because well, I guess when we, we got say, a comment too. Yeah, no, I put it up there. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so I guess it's like when when I'm thinking of it, it's like I'm not thinking of the emotion itself. I'm thinking of you and the emotional state mm. becomes the student. And like I said, you're able to learn about that emotional state if you at a higher state is the guiding force rather than your you and your emotional state being the guiding force. Got it. So that's where I'm more coming from when okay. I say that. I can see that. I can get with that. I like that. Okay. So Mama Prophet says, check your emotion slash feelings yes. and where they stem from. Think before you act on your feelings. Like the Bible says, you have to be slow or slow, wait, quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to rap. So Amen. I like that. I, I like that. that too. All right. Let's get into our second prof tip. It says, Christianity in the is in the world. But it is not of the world because it is the sharpening of the things not seen. Ooh. Christianity is in the world, but it is not of the world because it is the sharpening of the things not seen. I like that because I think of like Christianity and faith. I, I would more so say like faith too as a sword. Like I'm trying to sharpen my mind. I'm trying to sharpen my heart posture. I'm trying to sharpen my emotions, as Aunt Sonia said, and focus all those things on Christ. And those are things that, that is work, period, that people can't see. So I would, I would agree. I like that. Yeah. And that was my aim. And that quote was, yeah, we're sharpening our character, mm. right? We're sharpening the manner in which we live, which that's not always, it's reflected in how we live our lives. So it is seen manifested in our lives. Mm -hmm. But since we are always aiming to sharpen that, to be more like Christ, to be perfect, and that's constantly evolving every single day, then it's, you're constantly pushing the boundaries of who you can be. And so when you think that you, completely understand christianity it's like oh no that's that's wrong you probably yep. you think you're god now mm -hmm. it's like you still have a lot of to growth to do you still have a lot to learn whether yep. it be in the area of you know faith in christ or whether it be you know even just in the sport that you play mm -hmm. whether it be in you know different scientific discoveries that we discover whether anything it's always being pushed towards revealing who we are in Christ and who God is to us. It's like we're constantly, you know, moving towards him. And as we're moving towards him, he's more being revealed. So I it's like this never-ending sharpening because none of us are... Perfect. None of us are perfect mm -hmm. and none of us are infinite. Uh, we're all finite beings with limited time. And so yep. even if we could get to a point where... We are perfect. We don't have the time on this earth because, yeah. I mean, honestly, we all will die. Yes, <laughs> so it's we like, ain't going to be here forever. So we only like, got a yeah. certain number of years. And so, yeah. I almost feel like, too, we could replace that first word, even Christianity, with like our relationship with Christ. 
It's mm. in the world, but it's not of the world because it's sharpening the things that aren't seen. I think about like, like our relationship with Christ is spiritual. It's also like could be visual. It depends on like how you learn and how you see things or how God reveals things to you. But I also feel like it's like, I feel like even the word Christianity is limited here. Like it, it should be like something more broad and something more like, or something more specific, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So I think the reason I chose Christianity was to not make the quote so long. Cause I was like, no, you're right. cause when I was, no, well, when I was thinking, I was like, I was trying to make it specific, mm-hmm. but I couldn't necessarily nail maybe the specific of what I was talking about in like one or two words. And so mm-hmm. I was like, okay, Christianity, because I guess in in my head, Christianity is, you know, your relationship with Christ, your mm-hmm. relationship with other Christians, but also your relationship with yourself, yourself yeah. as well. Ooh, so, I like because, that breakdown. Right. And because when people think of Christianity, they're like, oh, the religion, and they start thinking about all these other things, all all these other different things. But then you have to get to what the root of Christianity actually is and how it is supposed to serve us in, or serve a Christian in his or her walk. Yeah. And so that's why I said, oh, Christianity, Mm because, yeah, we have a million different definitions for Christianity, but what is it actually, fundamentally? Yep. And practically? And so I guess that's what Christianity would mean here. I like that. Yes. Hey, if you like that, make sure like that you for the algorithm. like for the algorithm. We want to thank everybody thank who joined so the live much. stream. We have one more comment that came in for me. Oh, Father. He says, thank you, everyone, for a great Bible study that convicts, convinces, and converts. Amen. Amen. Shout out to my dad. Yes. Shout out, shout out to Uncle Chris in the building before we get out of here we just want to remind you of our tentative schedule we will definitely be here on wednesday definitely on thursday at 9 and 7 30 with a quality pod tomorrow kind of up in the air no show scheduled as of now but be on the lookout because we might pop something up on you if we're feeling froggy you know <laughs> <laughs> but fr- and friday we have double trouble kenya mcintosh will be at 5 p.m with a wonderful episode of faith and beyond let's and go that'll be followed by me with another profitable conversations i will either be solo or with one of my players who has uh, been on the channel before but not since we started the new recent slew of shows again we want to thank everybody uh aunt Sinitra, or thank not aunt, cousin sinitra says you two did an amazing job thank you thank you thank you yes she says turn on that notification bell as well yes <laughs> yeah you're right make you're sure right you, sinitra make sure you, you make sure it's turned on so that you are notified every time that we go live every time that we post a video so we will be cutting this video or this full-length podcast up into smaller different videos so that you can enjoy them in you know little bite-sized pieces and you know maybe get some more inspiration while you're you know on your jog or at work and all that good stuff but until then we just want to you know wish you all the blessings in the world make sure that you are striving for Christ do you have any last words or oh, well, real quick before before we get out of here tell them you know how they can find you online um, and anything that you want to tell them and then leave them with your, your final words. 
Yes. So you can find me on Instagram at the Gabrielle Monique. That's Gabrielle, my first name, and then M-O-N-I-Q-U-E. Shout out to my mama for the dope middle name. And I just want to say thank you all for tuning in. I had so much fun on your podcast. Thanks so much, cuz, for having me. Oh, it's been a pleasure. It's been amazing. And thank you, thank you. Um, and yeah, I look forward to seeing you all on Instagram. Hopefully add me. All right. <laughs> Uh, We will see you next time, definitely Wednesday. But again, be sure to look out for video or a live notification tomorrow. Peace.